Where are you in your leadership journey? Designed to inspire and empower other ambitious individuals, the Mindful Rebel podcast series is designed to bring attention to grassroots leaders in our community and focus on where they are currently in their leadership journey. The podcast will share the advice of doers and thinkers demonstrating success in life and in their respective areas of impact. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel podcast, the podcast about journeys in leadership. In this episode, we'll talk to Antoine Dante, runway and model coach, fashion show producer, choreographer, motivational speaker, and philanthropist. Antoine is the founder and artistic director of the Stampede School of Modeling and also the founder and spokesperson for an organization which he founded in 2013, a disease called Hope, which does outreach to children and families who are suffering from HIV, AIDS, cancer, and other terminally ill diseases. Welcome, Antoine. Hey, how are you, sir? I'm well, I'm well. So as awesome. we kind of get started, I want to, you know, add context to, to our discussion. So how did you get involved in the runway and modeling scene in general? Um, and then how does that kind of work with, with what you've developed as a disease called hope? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. Uh, but to answer your question, I would definitely say that um, I started modeling around the age of seven. Um, it was just something that my mother wanted me to get into between modeling and dancing. And I started taking it uh, very seriously once I realized that you can get paid. So I got my first paid gig when I was 12 years old. Wow. Um, and I did print work for JCPenney's. I did print work for um, Macy's. And then I kind of got into the runway segment. Um, did New York Fashion Week, uh, Chicago Fashion Week, Atlanta Fashion Week. I just kind of traveled up and down the East Coast with my mom as my manager and it was extremely, extremely exciting. Um, it was roughly around once I got to college at Delaware State University that I realized that I wanted to teach more than I wanted to be on the runway. And so uh, I used to go from HBCU to HBCU just doing homecoming shows and doing choreography and training the models. And then three years ago, I started a Stampede School of Modeling located in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm and moved to Washington, D.C. area, and I just started a D.C. campus roughly about seven months ago. And so to kind of tap in on a disease called HOPE, I was diagnosed three years ago with a rare bone cancer called multiple myeloma, um, and it affected my bones from my waist to my ankles. And so I just started that um, because... I was hospitalized and I couldn't teach and that was my passion. So I couldn't teach wrong way and it kind of really put me in a really, really bad state of depression and I promised that I would never get there. Even if I was in a wheelchair, that I would find a way to make sure that someone's dream was fulfilled. And so doing so, I started an organization called A Disease Called Hope. And the reason I titled that is because we often go to the hospital, to the doctors and always finding something to be wrong. Someone is always diagnosing us with something whether it's severe to one person or not severe to another person. So I figure, why not this organization diagnose someone with hope that, you know, hope that they will live and hope that their hair will grow back and hope that medication won't run out and hope that they will live to, to fulfill every dream that, that God has embodied them with. And so I combined the two and here we are. Hmm. So with that, you know, the impact that you've had um, with the Stampede School of Modeling and then also what you do with a disease called Hope, um, for you, what is your gauge to let you know or how do you realize that you are making an impact in the communities that you're, that you're touching or that you're involved in? 
simply by listening to each student that come across. So what I do is I give them an index card. Um, I give them two index cards uh, prior to teaching class. And at, on one index card, they have to write me what they got from it. And one student uh, back in Atlanta, Georgia, I was doing a fashion show for Love and Hip Hop. Um, I was producing a fashion show for them. And one of the students in that wrote on there and said, I just wanted to commit suicide a month and a half ago, and you gave me a reason not to. And so when stuff like that come across my desk or come, you know, um, in, 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 in my frontal, it allowed me to know that I'm doing something right. Um, there's been a lot of times when I haven't made payroll with my school or that I've taken my rent money for my place of residency and paid my mortgage at my building. But knowing that at night that I infected, like we say at a disease called hope, um, I infected someone with a, um, a chance to breathe and a chance to live. And so when I speak to kids at high school or to at different organizations and I just watch their faces and the attention that's demanded in the room isn't because I'm standing up there speaking. It's because it hit home to someone. And so when I see their face or when I can talk to them afterwards or I get an email six, seven, eight months later about something that um, either one of myself or my staff members did at Stampede School or it was done with me speaking at a disease called hope, um, it's rewarding. It's rewarding. And I, I, I don't do it for the public accolades. I do it knowing that that person had another chance. And that is fulfilling. So you touched on a really uh, important piece that I, I, I kind of want to pull out of your answer. And, you know, there's this whole idea of when you're searching for your passion, some, you're, sometimes your passion isn't always the easiest route. And I know you've mentioned there's been times of sacrifice for you where you've had to, to do certain things in order to make sure that your goal and your vision um, stays on its path. Um, I guess what is something that you would share with someone else who is um, trying to find their passion or find their calling? That the best place to be is rock bottom. Um, and when I say rock bottom, I mean literally rock bottom. Um, I was walking across the street, um, walking across Peachtree Street at the age of 30 years old, and my legs gave out on me, and I fell flat on my face. And I, at first, I thought it was the most embarrassing thing ever. But then when I was able to gain um, feeling in my legs, I looked up, <laughs> and I realized that I had no other choice but to get up because if I stayed down, there was nowhere to go. And so I use that example uh, with my business. I use it with the foundation. And that's what I just try to um, to filter out that, you know, it's it's OK to be on the bottom. It's OK to fall. Um, if you don't, you're really not succeeding. And so by doing so, you can realize what the bottom look like and not forget that that's where you came from. And so that you only have one place to go. There's only one place to go. Hmm. So with that, as, as a leader of the Stampede Modeling School and as a leader of a disease called Hope, um, how do you define leadership? Being the example and putting in the work. Um, yeah, that's how I define it. Uh, being the example and putting in the work, not just standing there 
and dictating or not just standing there and saying what should be done. I don't speak to my foundation and tell them, hey, we should do this. I'm the first one that might buy the peanut butter and the jelly and the bread and I'll make the sandwiches and then we'll go and give it out from there. Or I'm the one that will stand in front of the kids at the children's hospital and read the books to them. I, I don't find myself getting too big or too large that I still can't be that servant. It's servant first, leader second. And if you can serve first, then your leadership is that that will come easy to you. That 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 right there will display itself. So um, just don't forget to 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 serve. A, a great leader is, is is a phenomenal server, phenomenal, and never stops. So with that, is is there anyone in your life that is kind of a, a driving force to to help keep you? Um... I guess, focused on your goals or kind of helps you craft where you want to go uh, moving forward with with the endeavors that you're currently involved in? There's actually two. Um, two people that are driving forces in my life um, on two different modalities would be my mother and my father. And my mother's name is Angela, and she's been a driving force because I watch um, uh, her and my father were married in a very abusive relationship with four children. And I watch my mother and I watched us live in a park and go from pillow to post. I've watched my mother work three and four jobs to put all four of her children through private school. Um, there were months that we would go without seeing my mother. I would watch her come home with a Philadelphia cheesesteak and she would split it in four and she would just eat whatever was on the wrapper and tell us that she was full. She had eaten lunch. Um, and then I watched her. I had a sister who passed away when she was 16, and I watched her bury a child. Um, and she still didn't give up on her other three children. And so she's the reason that I fight and I do everything that I do today. And then my father, whose name is Kenneth, um, I could not thank him more for leaving because he taught me to be the man that I didn't want to be. Hmm. Um, every day that I am a man, I do it for my nephews. There are two of them. And I do it because... Um, he couldn't. He didn't know what it was like to raise a son. And I'm his only son of 10 children. And he didn't know what it was like to raise a son. And he was strung out on heroin and um, multiple other uh, facets of, of, of narcotics. And um, so he taught me the man that I didn't want to be. And I thank him for that. I thank him immensely. Wow. And, and one one thing I like to always say is thank you for being so transparent and sharing, you know, absolutely uh, that part of your journey. Absolutely. With that, are, are there are there resources or anything that you like refer to any books or, um, you know, podcast shows, anything that kind of helps you um, develop further as a leader or, you know, that are kind of your go to things? As cliche as it may sound, but definitely the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say that I'm a avid reader. I don't read every day, every night. However, I know that when times get rough and my knees get weak, I know to bend them and what book to pull out. Um, there's also a book called The Training Camp by Rob Gordon, um, which is an amazing book that I keep uh, in my living room and I refer back to and I highlight and it's very much on leadership and knowing how to be a servant. And lastly, the book that I write myself every night. Um, there is a uh, book that I keep under my mattress. And every night I write what every night um, I, I attempt to write 
what I did that I could do better for tomorrow. And if there isn't nothing to write at night, then I didn't utilize every millisecond there was in that day. So they're the three things that I count on. Wow. I really like that idea of, of, of I guess, reflecting on, on your day and being able to transcribe that at night and using that as a gauge of, you know, almost productivity and, and what you've Absolutely. accomplished. Absolutely. Um, is that something you developed on your own? Um, it is. You, okay. It is. I had no one to talk to. Like I said, I grew up, um, my father it was always, you have to be a man. So there was no such thing as crying and there was no such thing as expressing yourself. And so I said that I can write because no one can read it but me. And I can cry to the pages and the lines will soak it up and I can frown at my pen and it will do nothing but display penmanship. So um, all my feelings are embodied within those those pages. Do you think that your your interaction, you know, with your parents and, and how you've grown up, has does that play a role in how you show up for the children that you serve in a, de- in a disease called hope? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I watched my mother um, sit by my bedpost. I watched her when I was going through radiation, not leave my side. I, I suffer from um, spinal meningitis. I was in a hospital for almost two and a half years uh, from the ages of five to seven. My mother was a EVP for Mac when ATM was called Mac. Um, and so she lost her job because she wouldn't leave my bedpost. And so I watched things like that, um, that she didn't give up and she kept fighting and she still found a way. And so that's what forces me to go and read to the children at the hospital and tell them how beautiful they are. This seven-year-old girl who has no idea of why you know, her eyes are dark and her lips are pale and she has no hair on her head, that it's okay and that she's still beautiful and um, that tomorrow is going to be better. So, yes, absolutely. So with that, with with what you've been able to to put out, and, and I love, so one of my favorite concepts in, in leadership is servant leadership. So I'm, I'm happy that, that, that you brought that up and you talked about that. Is there a... Where do you see long-term uh, going with a disease called hope? Long-term for a disease called hope, um, I would like to infect every child I possibly can that is suffering, um, <clears throat> that is suffering and don't have to. I would like to reach the masses and um, allow parents to know that that they can't leave. (laughs) The easy easy road is not the road of leaving, it's the road of fighting. Um, And if you're driving and your car broke down and all four of your wheels come off, that you still have a way to get there and that's by walking. And so I just want a disease called hope to be a foundation in every single hospital and every, I, I mean, not even just hospitals, but hospices. You know, when when you have an elderly person just laying there on their, you know, deathbed and everyone is saying, well, this is it and make arrangements. But yet no one is, you know, understanding that they're still living, that that's still a body there. And that if they like playing bingo, then go and get a bingo card and sit and allow them to be as happy as they possibly can be. And that right there is hope alone. 
hope that smile is a hope. I mean, so uh, just to be to be in every single every single hospital that we possibly can, every single school that we possibly can, um, because to me, even bullying is a is is a disease. You know, suicidal thoughts. You know, that's a disease. And so I want them to know that this little disease called hope, you can be infected with. And so I want to touch the masses kind of like the currency does. Everyone counts on money, and I want everyone to count on a disease called hope. Hmm. And thinking in, in terms of, you know, long-term success, where, where do you see uh, the Stampede School of Modeling going as well? Stampede School of Modeling will someday be the production company behind Paris Fashion Week, behind Beijing Fashion Week, behind New York Fashion Week. Um, it's when every state in, 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 this, in, in the United States of America will come together and produce the United States Fashion Week. And the Stampede School of Modeling will be the number one resource where people grab their models from. We will be the trainers. We will be the driving force behind it. We will be the trailblazers. That is where Stampede School of Modeling will be. So with that, you know, and I know you mentioned, like, from your HBCU experience, you know, I went to Bowie State University, um, and I was involved in our, our modeling scene uh, with a, a, a campus modeling group and one that was, that was, that we developed off-site in the D.C. area. So do you look at the Stampede School of Modeling as an opportunity for outreach as well? Um, and is that a part of how you outreach to to look for new models? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, Stampede, we offer 10 different classes. Um, so just not just the basic runway classes, but we offer etiquette, resume building, and self-esteem building. And with self-esteem building, etiquette, and resume building, it teaches them, um, it's that outreach portion. So we'll go out to, I have a contract with Dover High School uh, in De Dover, Delaware, and it's teaching them that it's, Modeling goes beyond the runway. Modeling can be something that you're doing simply by looking in the mirror and telling yourself that you're beautiful every day, that you'll succeed every day. And so that's what we do. Um, at the end of every class, I have all of my models close their eyes. I give them an index card at the beginning of class. And on that index card, it has the words no on it. And I tell them not to lose that index card ever, whether they post it on their bathroom mirror, put it in their wallet, you know, keep it in their sock drawer, put it under their pillow. But do not lose that index card, because if you can be OK with the word, no, you can make it anywhere in life because everyone, someone is going to tell you no every day. But you have to be OK with it in order to be successful. In order to be a servant leader, you have to be OK with the word no. And so I tell them that. And then at the end of class, I have them close their eyes and they stand in a circle and I have them go back to their worst memory ever and I tell them how much they can achieve anything and that they can be anything and so what I do is I walk around in a circle and every time I yell out I am they have to respond by yelling out model so I can yell out I am a model I am a successful they'll yell out model I am a beautiful they'll yell out model I'm a curvy they'll yell out model and when I walk around the room and doing that and I see tears running down their faces it allows me further to know that I'm teaching beyond the runway I'm teaching something that you're not going to get from any other uh, troop or modeling institution out there 
because we we start from the inside out. Um, so yes, absolutely, to answer your question. Wow. Um. Wow. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think that's great just to 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 have that incorporated in in what you do with the modeling and and have that as an opportunity for outreach and you know you know instilling positive affirmations in in these folks that are coming and seeking services or, or seeking their own start. I think that's that's amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So with that. Um, you you've had the opportunity. I know I I read in your your brief that you've had the opp- you've you've received a lot of accomplishments. You know, even thinking about the twenty seventeen top thirty five millennial influencers award. Um, how has receiving something like that or being involved with something like that, um, maybe changed your outlook on on your leadership trajectory or like, how have you kind of reflected on receiving something like that? So when I first got the email about the 2017 Top 35 Millennial Influencers, um, I was in total awe that someone, because it's, it's nomination-based. So for someone to even nominate me, um, it, was, it was humbling. It was extremely humbling. And I was taken back um, because I don't think what I do is um, ever good enough or I don't think what I do uh, deserves any type of round of applause or, or, or an accolade of any sort. And so when I received it, it caught me off guard, but I was also, I was extremely proud. I was extremely proud. And the first person I called was my mother and I kept saying, mom, why me? You know, why me? And I asked her that when I first found out that I had cancer. And so my sister looked at me and she said, why not you? (laughs) She said, who are you not to be a millennial influencer? Look at all the things you do. And she just went on and on. And that's what made me stick my chest out a little more. But not in a cocky and arrogant way, but in a way where, you know, God, I appreciate you for using me. And so by receiving that award, I didn't know what I was getting myself into until that night when I saw the people amongst whom I was standing and the things that they were doing in the community and I mean, it, it, it was it was breathtaking and it would the experience. And so now to be considered a millennial influencer, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's hard. It's hard because I, I have people in my inboxes and I have people in my emails and, you know, asking me different things and wanting to speak. And I, I'm completely lost at it. But it has it has humbled me in a sense it has allowed me to know that i too matter and i depend on hope in order to 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 be a trailblazer to to set the way for someone that's lost mm. and congratulations i like thank you <laughs> congratulations yeah. thank you so what we'll do now is kind of transition into the second part of the interview which is just there's some fun rapid fire questions that are just kind of personality based so just kind of answer okay. them however you would like. Um, first one is, what's your favorite piece of clothing? It would have to be any form of socks. Socks, um, okay. Yes, it would have to be. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> where would you visit if you had the chance? If I had the chance, where would I visit? Beijing. Beijing? Okay. Yes. What's your favorite um, favorite childhood memory? 
when I was Martin Luther King at a church play and this, when my mother walked up to me and said that your name going to be in lights one day and I'm proud to be your mother. Wow. Wow. Okay. Do you prefer reading books or watching movies? Absolutely. Reading books. Reading books. Yes. Okay. And this is my, all my always, always follow up for this question. Um, if there was a book that you could turn into a film, what would it be? There was a book I can turn into a film. Well, my favorite book is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. However, they just came out with a video, a movie for that a couple of years ago. So it would have to be um, Letters to a Young Brother mm. by Hill Harper. Okay. What are, what are three music artists that you would love to see in one concert? John Legend, Adele, and Sam Smith. Oh, you had that right off the top. That's what people <laughs> think about that one a lot. That's one that people seem to think about a lot. So you said John yes. Legend, Adele, and Sam and Smith. And Sam Smith, yes. That's a good vocal vocal uh, concert there. <laughs> I would love to see them. Okay. And then as we wrap up, so this is a question I always end off on interviews, that at the end of the day, what would you like to be known for, or how would you like to be remembered? Wow. <laughs> What would I like to be known for, or how would I like to be remembered? Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in the city, and the streetlights was our were our um, place of shelter. You knew that you were home, or you knew that you were on a block, or you knew where to be once the streetlights came on. But there was this one street light that was in front of my grandmother's door that always flickered. It never stayed on. And that's exactly what I want to be. I want to be that street light that flickers to allow that person to know that they're home. I want to be that street light that flickers that um, is a consistent reminder that uh, no matter what and no matter how loose or how tight the bulb is in, that um, you too can shine. And that's all I want to be known for. You don't have to remember my name. You don't have to remember the work that I put into the concrete. But if you can just remember yourself that you have a chance at being and accomplishing anything that you want to be, no matter the circumstance, no matter the setback, no matter the disappointment or the beating, that with every stride comes power. Wow. Antoine, thank you so much for the interview. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate that even more. Anytime, anytime. So more information about Antoine will be posted along with the podcast, including information about the Stampede School of Modeling and a disease called Hope. Uh, thank you for listening to the Mindful Rebel podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. Stay connected on your leadership journey with the Mindful Rebel podcast by visiting themindfulrebel.co, following the show on Instagram at Mindful Rebel Podcast, and subscribing to the Mindful Rebel on the iTunes podcast app. Remember, the podcast is for you, so if you have questions about leadership that you want to hear discussed or you're interested in contributing to the show, feel free to share at themindfulrebel.co.